Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Thank you for listening. A quick word. Since recording this episode, both the prosecution and defense rested their cases. In fact, the defense opted not to call any witnesses. Closing arguments are scheduled for Thursday, May 11th. She said that she would cut me up. And something about that she wasn't in the mental place to do that, but that she would get herself in that place to be able to do it. But that she didn't want to have to because it'd be so messy and there'd be so, so much blood and the, the bleach and something about trash bags. And that she, and that she would bury me worse. She would no one would ever find me. I'm Jonathan Vigliotti. You just heard the voice of Audrey Baratero, a former friend of Lori Bello Daybell's, who claims Lori threatened to kill her. We'll hear more from her during this week's special 48 Hours Update, along with other people who were close to Lori and Chad. This is the fifth week of testimony in Lori Daybell's trial for the murders of her two youngest children, Joshua J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. She's accused, along with her husband Chad Daybell, of J.J. and Tylee's murders, as well as the murder of Chad's late wife, Tammy Daybell. They've both pleaded not guilty, and Chad Daybell's trial will occur at a later date. The 48 Hours team has been reviewing hours of court audio to bring you the key moments from the trial, and this week... 48 Hours producer Liza Finley is joining us. Liza led production on all three of our prior television episodes on this case. She was the first 48 producer I worked with. Welcome, Liza. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. It's great to be here. It's been a long road. It has. And and this has been a difficult road and a difficult case from the start. And I wonder how it compares with other ones you've covered. 
Well, you know, I've been reporting on true crime for so many years, and but some get lodged in your memory, and this is one of them. We have been on this story since it broke over three years ago, mm. watching it unfold as it did, you know, ending with the gruesome deaths of the two children. And that was heartbreaking. I th- Everyone, you and I and everybody who'd been covering this, was rooting for a happy ending. And uh, there have been so many unanswered questions along the way. And I finally feel, listening to this riveting testimony, that we were finally getting a clearer picture of what investigators say happened and why. Mm. One thought I've wrestled with throughout this journey goes back to a Time magazine cover I remember seeing in 1991. It's a totally black page with the title, The Nature of Evil. And the subtitle reads on this black page, does it exist or do bad things just happen? Wow. Uh, If bad things just happen, a lot of bad things happened in this case. Yeah. I mean, sadly, after listening to the prosecution, This case makes me think that maybe evil does exist, and we are hearing how it presented itself in the testimony of witness after witness. And let's get right into it. We heard a pretty shocking claim from Lori's friend Audrey Baratero earlier. What do we know about her? Well, according to her testimony, Audrey Baratero met Chad at a religious conference around 2018 and developed a friendship rooted in their shared religious beliefs. She said she read some of Chad's books and heard about his visions and past lives, which she says Chad claimed he'd lived over a million years. He said that he had been Methuselah, and he said that he had been an apostle at the time of Jesus Christ, James. Okay, so just to clarify, because I feel like we need some clarification here, Baratero says Chad claimed he was James, the brother of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yeah. And that's not all. Baratero says he told her that she had been someone special in her past life, too. Jesus Christ's wife, Joanna. Okay. So uh, where to begin? That's a major claim to make. Uh, And then it's a major claim to believe. Baratero believed him? She says she did. Here's Lori's defense attorney, Jim Archibald, questioning her about that. At the time, I thought, it could be true because I trusted him. You thought it could be true uh, because it sounded cool, huh? Is that a yes? Yes. It sounded amazing, right? Yes. <laughs> I wonder what that little chuckle Audrey Barotero gives at the end of that really means maybe it's suddenly coming into clear focus when she hears how um, unsettling all of this is. Dare I say crazy? I mean, I guess if I were Jesus's wife or brother in a past life, if I really believe that, I think it was pretty cool, too. (laughs) I I think we all would. (laughs) But it is a little out there. So that's what Lori's defense attorney, Jim Archibald, points out. In all these past lives, Baratero says Chad told her about, Chad is always someone important. She says Chad does eventually ask her to befriend Lori, right? Well, Baratero says she did befriend Lori. Mm. They met at a religious conference and developed a friendship over the phone. Baratero says she was invited to participate in something called a casting ceremony, Mm. in which an evil spirit is cast out. Lori told her that Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell had essentially an evil spirit living inside her, 
though Baratera was uncomfortable, and she told Lori she did not want to participate. According to Baratero, that didn't go too well. She highly pressured me, saying, you're supposed to be my friend, you're supposed to help me, like Chad asked you to be my friend. And I reiterated that I didn't want to. And she kept on. So it sounds from Baratero's testimony that Lori was convinced there was an evil spirit that had taken over Tammy and needed to be removed. Liza, where did Lori say Tammy's spirit was? And what would happen if it was expelled? Prosecutor Tanya Rawlings asked Baratero those very questions. But as you'll hear at the end of this clip, Baratero seems to be saying she thinks Chad and Lori had more in their minds than just removing an evil spirit. She was saying that she was in a cage or a jail or something like this. And it was the idea of like, she needs to be freed and helped because some person's overtaken her body. Okay. And so she wasn't in her body anymore. According to them. According to Lori. And do you know what would happen if this dark spirit was pushed out? At the end of the friendship, when I heard Chad Daybell say, something to the effect of why is the body still alive or something like that. I realized that they must have a different idea. Even further. Even further. And what did that mean? That they didn't want that they didn't intend for the person to be helped, I would think. Um, That they didn't want the person to live. I mean, to hear someone say Chad was talking about whether people were still alive or not, prosecutors must find that pretty damning. Yes, but I don't think that's the most damning thing to come out of Baratero's testimony. Right. That sound that we played earlier where Baratero alleges Lori threatened to kill her. When did that happen, Liza? So Baratero says she went to visit Lori and her niece in Hawaii in October 2019. And on that trip, she learned Tammy Daybell had passed away. The trip was unpleasant. She says Lori was agitated. She was snippy. And Baratero returned to Idaho with Lori's niece. She says they were staying at Lori's house when she decided to end the friendship with Lori once and for all. I told her that I was going to go upstairs and pack my bag and just go to bed early because I didn't want to spend more time with her. And as I went to go and do that, I asked her the question, is there anything weird going on that I don't know about? And she said, no, what do you mean? And I said, I don't know anything. And she said, no. So I took her to word because I'm a trusting person. And she's, as soon as I turned to start to go up the stairs, she 
she started laughing. The kind of laugh as if you're laughing at someone or thinks something's hilarious. And she said to me, you're so naive. I do trust you. You're like a little child. You'll believe anything anyone would tell you. And she said, you think the world is all unicorns and rainbows? Unicorns and rainbows. This allegedly from a woman who weeks after her children were missing was seen in photos on a beach in Hawaii getting married. Uh, I could just listening to that, hear how tense that interaction was. And we know the conversation got worse. Barotero says Lori then threatened to kill her and cut her body up. But Lori's attorney went after Barotero's credibility here. He points out that she had previously testified before the grand jury and failed to mention this incident. We want to play this exchange between Barotero and Lori's attorney, Jim Archibald. Do you remember taking an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Do you remember that? Yes. And do you remember your testimony that you did not say anything like this? I was scared. And she had said that if you ever tell anyone, I'll come and find you in the dark of night. So you now want the jury to believe that even though you previously testified under oath and nothing of this sort was talked about, that you come here today and say you are so scared, that's why you didn't previously testify about it. Objection, Your Honor. Argumentative. What was your question? You want the jury to believe that you did just didn't make this last crap up. I did not make it up. During her testimony, Baratara was very emotional on the stand, and we heard her mention Lori's niece a couple of times. That niece is Melanie Polowski. There are two Melanies in this case, right, Liza? It can get a little confusing. Right. It really can. Lori had two women named Melanie she was very, very close to. One was her niece, Melanie Polowski, formerly known as Melanie Boudreau. And then there is Lori's friend, Melanie Gibb. Now, you remember that Gibb is the friend who testified that Lori told her to lie and to tell mm-hmm. the police that J.J. was staying with her when they were looking for him in November of 2019. She's also the one who recorded that secret conversation between herself, Lori, and Chad that she later turned over to the investigators. Mm. So sticking with Melanie Pulowski, her husband, Ian, was also called to the stand last week. What was his role in this case? Ian Pulowski married Melanie in late November 2019. And according to his testimony, Melanie, quote, unquote, dumped all of her fears about what was happening with Tylee and JJ. And were some of the things you heard regarding Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow? Uh, yes. Did you have concerns for their safety or their well-being after what you learned? Yes. So what she told him scared him so much that he went to law enforcement with his concerns, and they asked him to record conversations that may be relevant to the investigation, which he did. Those recordings were not played. The judge did not allow them admitted into evidence. So we don't really know what was said. No, no, we don't. Did Lori or Chad ever instruct you regarding whether or not to cooperate with law enforcement? Yes. And what were you instructed? To cooperate as little as possible to avoid them. Um, there was just kind of this arrogant 
flippant attitude toward law enforcement. But, you know, it was just none of their business, and we needed to get out of town was another thing that they instructed us to do. And did those instructions come from both Chad and Lori? It was mostly Chad pushing us to get out of town. Um, both Chad and Chad had a more serious tone. Lori was <coughs> presented this lighthearted attitude toward cooperating with law enforcement just to kind of avoid it. And was part of that uh, telling you that some of the law enforcement officers were dark spirits or zombies? Yes. One of those dark spirits was Detective Hermosillo, who you might recall from the first week of trial when he testified that he found Lori's children buried in Chad's backyard. Pulowski says he was told that Hermosillo was one of the zombie officers and that law enforcement was out to get them. Liza, what else did Ian hear? I mean, it's just unbelievable. But Ian also testified that he heard Lori say that she could cast out Satan. Lori said that she um, was able to cast Satan out by folding him up into the shape of a taco and locking him in a box in Antarctica. Whew. I, I don't know how to react to that, so I think we just leave it right where it is. When we come back, testimony from those close to Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell. Forty-eight hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now you could take twenty percent off. Go to ahs.com slash forty-eight to save twenty percent. That's ahs.com slash forty-eight for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back. I'm here with producer Liza Finley, and I'd like to focus on Tammy Daybell, whose birthday incidentally passed during the trial. She would have been 53. Specifically, I'd like to narrow in on her friends. Alice and Todd Gilbert, friends of Chad and Tammy, knew them well from church. They were close. Alice testified that she saw Tammy twice a week, while Todd was even a central character in one of Chad's books. What else did they have to say, Liza? Well, uh, when Tammy died, the Gilberts say they were called soon after, and Chad you know, made it a request that Alice just could not abide. She couldn't do it. And what did Chad tell you? He told me not to tell anybody and to w wait for about an hour. And I said, well, I need to call the bishop. And he said, no, don't, don't call. 
but I still did. And also, the Gilberts say they learned Lori had entered the picture shortly thereafter, very shortly thereafter, mm. about a week after Tammy died. Um, we asked him how he was doing, and he said, actually, I'm doing really good. And that he'd met the woman he was going to marry, and... And you recall this being uh, around October 26th, and Tammy had just uh, passed away or been declared dead on the 19th? Yes. Did you find, did it surprise you that he seemed to be doing so well? Yes, we were shocked. Well, you can hear the emotion in Alice's voice. It was obviously very shocking. And um, the Gilberts say that they met Lori at church and then they had the new couple over at their home, and they both said that Chad and Lori appeared incredibly affectionate, giggling, touching, like they were teenagers, in a way that they'd never seen Chad behave with Tammy. Mm. It was during that visit that Gilbert said Chad told them something really big. Yes, we asked her if she had had any children, and she, she said that she'd had many, and that Chad spoke up and said that she had a daughter that just passed on. And so we didn't really ever get a straight answer of how many children she did have. Wow. So just to punctuate this moment, because I think it's so critical, Chad allegedly told her Lori's daughter died. And now this is before Tylee had been found. Alice also testified Chad, after Lori's arrest, tried to backtrack that he ever said Lori had a daughter who died. Here's Alice recounting that conversation she says she had with Chad. You told me when we met that... She had just lost a daughter, and he said, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. And um, so I knew that it was Tylee that he was talking to me about. I asked him also, um, where are they? I asked him, where are the kids, Chad? And doesn't Tylee want a life? a job, a car, a boyfriend. And he said she didn't like people and she didn't like me. And what struck you about those statements? Because he said didn't. He is the past tense. He's the past tense. Mm. Very chilling testimony. We also heard about Tammy's life insurance policies. She had two. One for $300,000 that she and Chad had purchased, and another offered by the school district Tammy worked for. Those life insurance policies were both paid out, according to Detective Mattingly. How much did Chad get in total, Liza? He was paid out a total of $430,000. You know, if Tammy had died just two months, this is so interesting, if Tammy had died just two months earlier, or any date before September 1st, it would have been a lot less. And why is that? Well, Angela Yancey, the school district's payroll and benefits administrator, testified that on September 8th, Tammy changed her coverage. In fact, she maxed out her coverage at five times her salary and even added an additional option, which increased the policy benefit to $130,000. Okay, so maxing out a life insurance policy less than two months before you die is definitely suspicious. Do we know why she did that? No, we don't. But we do know two days after Tammy died, 
Chad Daybell reached out to Yancey to claim the life insurance. Here she is testifying that that was unusually soon. I explained to him that uh, we could not submit a life claim until we had um, the original death certificate to go with it. And he said, that's okay, I've already ordered eight of them. And in your experience, how many death certificates do most people order? When they share that information with me, the I've heard maybe three at the most. Three at the most, and Chad Daybell ordered eight death certificates. A life insurance policy that Chad wanted to claim less than 72 hours after his wife died as well. Uh, to a jury, this could all be, I would think, suspicious, especially when we heard Detective Mattingly testify that he believed Chad was living off the proceeds of those policies while he and Lori were in Hawaii. Liza, I know there's one more witness who we have to talk about. He testified to what could be some of the most damning evidence we've heard thus far. Yes, there was compelling testimony from an FBI agent named Doug Hart. Amongst other investigative work on the case, Hart spent more than 200 hours combing through Lori's iCloud and found Mm. texts, voicemails, and photos that helped them piece together the relationship between Chad and Lori. Well, from the beginning, it was clear that the relationship between the romantic relationship between Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow was the driving force behind the crimes that are alleged to have taken place. So the text messages reveal that Chad and Lori were romantically involved before either of their spouses died. After the affair began, there then began to be communications regarding the deaths of Charles Vallow, Tammy Daybell, J.J. Vallow, and Tylee Ryan. Some of the most shocking texts revealing this relationship were sent months before Tammy died or just days after Lori's previous husband, Charles, was shot by her brother, Alex Cox, in what he described as self-defense. These texts were often romantic, sometimes sexual, punctuated with heart and kiss emojis. Yes, and uh, what really stood out to me in Hart's testimony was his reference to the term obstacles used by Chad Daybell in regard to the couple's former spouses, Charles Bellow and Tammy Daybell and Lori's kids. And what's really interesting, the texts also demonstrate Chad's feelings of being trapped. Listen to this text from July 26, just two and a half weeks after Charles died. From Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. Tonight I figured out who I feel like. I'm a grown-up version of Harry Potter who has to live with the Dudleys in his little space under the stairs. Every few weeks I get to escape and have amazing adventures with my goddess lover, but then I have to return to my place under the stairs feeling trapped. But I sense permanent freedom is coming. Then there's this text exchange before Tammy died. From Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell, I'm so alone without you, it is devastating. Line 824 from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow, I feel so alone too. We are surrounded by telestial relatives that are simply obstacles. I'm so sick of it. Line 823 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell, me too. What is it that you really want? Line 824 from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. I want to be with you. That is my greatest hope and dream. I would happily join you tomorrow if it felt like heaven would not strike us down. 
And the way they talked about physical bodies, spirits, zombies in these texts is interesting. Here's an exchange between Lori and her brother, Alex Cox, referencing Charles on March 26th of 2019. This is four months before Alex would shoot Charles. And a reminder to our listeners, Alex died of what authorities say were natural causes on December 12th, 2019. Text from Alex Cox to Lori Vallow. Correct. Charles's body is alive. Line 1762 from Alex Cox to Lori Vallow. What did you learn? Line 1761 from Lori Vallow to Alex Cox. A lot. Still working on it. We'll call you later. Why was this series of the SMS um, included in your summary? These short texts uh, actually contain a lot of information regarding what was taking place in the investigation. How so? Chad Daybell had identified uh, Charles Vallow as somebody who was a dark entity whose body had been possessed by any number of spirits, uh, which were named with various names. And so this first text, when Alex Cox is uh, reaching out to Lori Vallow, he's, he's affirming that Charles Vallow's body, his physical body, is still alive and inquiring what Lori Vallow had learned about that, which she replied she had learned a lot and would contact him later. Here's another text. This is on July the 30th, 2019. Text from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. Yes, we might need to release a little steam when we talk. Anyway, this is the chart that checks what percentage mortals are still in their body. This number system is a It's a little hard to follow, but Hart Uh testified that the numbers Chad refers to is a, quote, death percentage. It sounds like the closer a death percentage was to 100 or to a zero, the closer that person was to death. Lori's defense attorney, John Thomas, asks Hart this in cross-examination. All right, and you testified today that either being low percentage or a high percentage could mean death. Is that correct? That's my understanding. All right. So basically, isn't your understanding that you really don't have an understanding about what's going on here as far as these percentages go? I disagree. I think that Chad Daybell's writings were inconsistent, but it's clear that he designated uh, J.J. and Ty Lee and Tammy Daybell as as he had them in his death percentages, and all three of those individuals ended up dead. Okay. It's not possible that this was all about fantasy, that it's more of a Dungeons and Dragons, pull out your 64-sided dice type of thing. Is that is that possible? Absent the three people being killed, perhaps. Here's more from Agent Hart. Um, and so my question is, what happens when a person reaches a zero? Percentage. According to the case, that means that they're ready for death. They're ready for death, or they're dead, or they're what? Well, clearly at that particular point in time, J.J. wasn't dead, but within six weeks he was. 
a person's number reaches zero, they are ready to die. There are three total conversations or sets of text strings regarding the death percentage for J.J., Tylee, and Tammy Daybell. Uh, there's this one, there's another that occurs on July 30th, and then the third one occurs on August 10th. Listen to this. And um, what information and did Chad Daybell provide to Lori Vallow um, about a number associated with Tylee? He indicates that she is at 0 0.13. And what number it did Chad Daybell provide about JJ's death percentage? 99.99. He also mentioned a number system alluding to turn up the physical pain inflicted on Tylee. Text from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. Quote, she is at 0.13. I turned up the pain to 10 and placed a spiritual virus in her. Here's more from those texts. Now, turning to a text communication on July 29th, 2019. Um, do you see that on uh, slide 37? I do. Okay. Why did you include this text communication in your summary? I included it because of its references to causing pain to children. Okay. Can you please read those uh, the text communications into the records? Line eighteen seventy seven from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. One question: Do you want me to cause pain yet to those two threes you're writing with? Line eighteen seventy six from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. Probably hold off on then till we arrive. They will be mistake to deal with but I'll text you if they start acting up and we can zap them. Line 1875 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell, miserable, not mistake. Line 1872 from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow, sounds great. Yes, if they are going to act up, we'll at least give them a reason to scream. I love, cherish, treasure, and adore you. The wonderful memories just keep coming back. The prosecuting attorney asked Hart why these texts were included in the presentation he prepared to accompany his testimony. The references to hurting children and giving them a reason to scream are relevant. In any of these references, and I, I think you've mentioned a couple of times that concept, did you ever see Lori Vallow protest like, don't do that. No. Listen to this. Okay. And in this situation, looking at all of the messaging and communication that Lori Vallow had, did you ever see any evidence that um, J.J. Vallow was alive after September of 2019? No. Did you ever see any evidence that Lori was looking for him or trying to support him or help him after September 22nd, 2019? No. As for Tylee, did you ever see after September 8th of 2019 in any of her email accounts, any of the information, her text message, that Lori Vallow was looking for her? No. 
Did you ever find any evidence that Lori Vallow had that Tali was alive after September 8th of 2019? No. And what's really interesting, based on these texts, Lori doesn't show much sympathy for those affected by the deaths around her either. Hart says she ignores J.J.'s grandmother, Kay Woodcock's pleas for Lori to let J.J. attend Charles' memorial service. And then in another instance, from the day after Alex shoots Charles, there were texts from Lori to Charles's sons, Zach and Cole, informing them of their father's death but not telling them how he died. The son's text asking for answers. Isn't that correct? Right. And Lori was not responding to them. But Mm. according to Hart, she was still texting Chad. Here's an exchange from just three days after Charles Vallow died. From Chad Baybell to Lori Vallow, I need so badly to just gently kiss you for hours. Line 2888. From Chad Baybell to Lori Vallow, it would likely lead to other activities. Line 2887 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. Likely or luckily, line 2886 from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. It would luckily lead to nakedness. It's quite a text. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's clear that Charles's sons are incredibly frustrated by the radio silence based on this text from the next day. They also expressed concern that they haven't heard from the children, Lori's oldest son, Colby, and Tylee and JJ. Okay, Lori, it's been three days. You let us know our father passed away over a text message. Three days, and we haven't heard from anyone. The only information we have is that one text from you saying he passed away. You disappeared after that. We need any information you have. What happened? When did it happen? How did it happen? Where is he now? Are there any funeral plans? And can Zach and I be part of it? We talked to him all the time, and now he's gone. He was our dad, and we loved him very much. We deserve answers. Also, why have you been the only one to contact us? We haven't heard from Colby or Tylee. I know they are affected, too. I called Colby recently, too, but he didn't answer. Is J.J. safe, and what does he know? I need to be kept in the loop about this all. This isn't a nonchalant topic you can just throw a text at and be done with it. This really is heartbreaking. You know, Uh those two sons lost their father, and you know there's such a lack of empathy and caring about him. And Chad shows a similar lack of empathy regarding the death of his wife, Tammy. I mean, on the night she died... He wrote to Lori saying, not fun without you. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, the two talk how much they miss each other. Line 515, from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. That's true. I do feel you. I feel lovesick. I can't sleep. I don't want to eat. I just want you. It's so consuming. Line 514, from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. I know exactly how you feel. I'm feeling sad, but it isn't for the reason everyone thinks. I mean, what's what's clear here, at least from the perspective of these children, they were ghosted as they were trying to find answers about what happened to their father. Lori and Chad having these at times what seem like romantic conversations very much active as Lori is being very quiet with whatever did unfold with Charles Vallow 
to Charles's sons. Uh, the web of people impacted by this case only continues to grow. We're going to end with this clip from Hart. In his cross-examination with Lori's defense attorney, John Thomas, he asks Hart this. As a whole, as the state has indicated, uh, you, you reviewed all these texts, or very, a large number of these texts. Um, isn't it true that Lori was, for all intents and purposes, a, a pretty good mother? With the exception of what happened to her children, yes. Our team at 48 Hours will continue our reporting on the Lori Bellow Daybell trial. We'll be back next week with the latest coverage and analysis throughout the trial, exclusively on the 48 Hours podcast. In the meantime, be sure to follow and listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Liza, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll check back with you soon. Thanks so much, Jonathan. It was great talking to you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 Hours merchandise at paramountshop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 Hours products with code HOURS20 at paramountshop.com.